1: In the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. This tonight, we're talking with J. Bob Alota. And you have to let me know if that's it. Alo or a la because a friend of mine from 13 said it should be Alota, and it sounded so sexy. I know, like, she was correct. She was correct. Okay. Yeah,
2: I like that. I said, okay,
1: Alota. I like
2: that.
1: Um, Bob is. Executive Director at uh, the Estrella Lesbian Foundation for Justice. It's a global foundation based in New York that provides critical resources to LGBTQI organizations and individuals around the world. Um, she's also a lifelong activist, an accomplished filmmaker. She has a track record of leading exponential organizational growth and capacity building through visionary management. Prior to being with Australia, Bob served for four years as board chair of FEARS, which works with LGBTQI young people. She's also been involved uh, as a grant reviewer for Open Society Foundation's Community Fellowship Program. She's consulted with Swarthmore College, Williams College, Witness in the Prison Moratorium Project she has also worked with direct she was a director of digital media and content for zyte digital media and as director of digital technology for film one of the things that i'd say that she is one of these it's a new type of leadership that we're seeing with lgbt community and just in general she represents that new generation they're calling for social change, They're philanthropist. She's working to build new models of social justice, expanding the relevance of rights and dignity for LGBTQI people. Bob, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm really, really well. Thank you for having me. Well, I, I'm, you know, really, I mean, I think it's it's really good. Um, I remember meeting you. Okay. In fact, I had met you by phone before I met mm-hmm. you in person. Um, mm-hmm. You did a show that I was doing in Chicago, and then you were in Chicago for of the Front Lines. And mm-hmm. I came to Chicago that night, and it was like, well, I make connections with people, and I had made a connection with you even before you knew it, you know. And, it was <laughs> really good. and we talked briefly because it was like a big thing going, but what I liked and what I heard there and what I heard from you you know, often people wanna like put us in, in our lane. You know, and it's like, mm-hmm. well, you stay in the LGBTQI lane, but you get and I, like I am. It's like I, we don't have a lane. We've got a frigging super highway, and our mm-hmm. lane cross everything. And that's that's really the immediate thing that I picked up from you, and that I continue to see in your work. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I appreciate that, and I and I think it's true. I, I it's um, it's kind of absurd to think uh, we'd sing any song with just one note. You know. Mhm.
1: I know. I know. It's sort of like it's just like crazy. And when I look at what Australia does, and especially, I mean, every time that I see you're on your way here, you're on your way there, you're on your way this, yeah. and I know that there are often people who would say, well, you know, like, well, we just have to stay in our communities, but you know what? our communities are everywhere and you know and first of all you have to explain to me how we got into giving you the woo because I give you the woo every time (laughs) 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 and did you and did you when you got with Australia did you realize that you'd be all over the globe
2: yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, I knew that there was travel involved, but I don't think I understood. I mean, I don't think I understood at all what I was about to get into in any way, shape, or form. But certainly not uh-huh. around travel. Um, so I'm on the road. I don't know, probably sixty percent of the time, maybe more, um, and um, and I do travel all over the world. You know, my second week on the job, I was in Kenya, um, at this amazing. Um, conference um of east african um lgbtqi activists um called um changing faces changing spaces um and um and so that was honestly my second week and and I realized in my first week that my passport had expired. And so (laughs) I had to rush and get that taken care of. It was like the first thing I almost did wrong on the job was not have an active passport, but I can assure you now I have the problem of, um, it occurred to me that I might be running out of pages. So I need to, I I might need to go get a new one. Um, But uh, so ironically, Last year, I flew 255,000 miles, and I don't like flying at all, and so um, I really, the reason why, uh, if you're my Facebook friend, I will almost always (laughs) post uh, for some woo is because because I don't like to fly, but I do feel like um, it makes me feel so much better to have this idea of really being held um, in community, and so... And so it really, really helps me. I'm like, I can't go down if, like, all these people are really invested in this being a smooth flight. And I do, um, you know, honestly, I do believe in the power of the congregation um, very much. So it it settles my spirit a little bit to know um, folks have my back when I'm taking off.
1: Well, we do. We do. I mean, it's so cool, you know, and I'm like, okay, she's off again. You know, like you said, that first week, and you, I mean, you've been all different kinds of places, what is a common thread that you found everywhere you went in the LGBTQI community? Yeah. So
2: I've been on um, many different continents and in many different countries um, um, meeting with LGBTQI folks. And um, while our conditions might be different, our cultures might be different, um, without, without question the common thread, or a common thread, there are many, is the incredible uh, resilience and innovation that happens um, in uh, and from our communities. You know, I think that there's this idea that innovation is the providence of some white men in Silicon Valley, and that's the most absurd idea in the world. And we know that innovation lies in communities of color, that women are constantly being innovative, that poor Mm -hmm. people are being innovative, that people who um, need to be creative about um, creating their right livelihood to be in the place that they know themselves to be, even if uh, um, it, it isn't always easy. That's where innovation is born. And that's where creativity lies. And, and I see that over and over and over and over again. Um, so that's, that's one thing that um, is uh, immediately true and, and something that I've tried to really build work around and think about how to build strategies around that innovation. Um, and and f- how do we foster? We talk a lot about sustainability and strategy and all of those things. And to me, one of the greatest ways to ensure that we're building successful strategies and, and sustainable uh, environments for ourselves is to is to harness and and bolster the innovation um, that's happening inside of our communities.
1: Well, you know, part of the reason why I started doing this show is, you know, I see that I have talked to people who are from other countries who are queer, and mm-hmm. they are. I mean, that I mean, and really historically, you look if you want creativity, if you want Ideals that's where it comes from, but often right here, mm-hmm. I mean, I have talked to people who it's sort of like they stay in their lane I mean, and it's like yes. and they have their their little they have their gay life, but they are being innovative and creative in other ways, but they don't recognize that there's an intersection, and that no and to be out mm-hmm. to be their authentic selves, mhm stimulates that and you know it's just like i mean and it's sort of like no you have to be out in everything and it, it doesn't mean you know just to go in and talk about gay issues no if you're there and you're an engineer but you also talk about your life and your family and everything and then you come up with all this creative stuff people recognize that we are part of that fabric And then there's also that part that I also see that many people, do you find that often our LGBTQ community here in the United States sometimes isn't really connected to what's happening in other parts of the world?
2: I think that's so real um, that there's often a disconnect unless you're... From the community yourself, right So if you're from a uh, you were born in another country or your family um, has roots in another country, then maybe that you're tied into that. but otherwise, I, I, I can't tell you, and I actually think it's a little bit part of my job and Australia's job is to help to connect the dots across our communities across these borders because I know that I am so deeply motivated. Just to do my own work and to live my life authentically and well from meeting all of these people all over the world, um, but also i it instills like such organizing in brilliant ways and under um, and inside of so many different political climates, a lot of which we could a learn from, but b to realize how a lot of us are taking up really the same struggles or building on the same ideas or or celebrating similarly, right? It doesn't always have to be a difficult connection, right? It can actually be a, a connection based on a shared sense of joy, right, or possibility. And I, and I, and I, I think it's, um, I think it's, it's a little bit by design. I think the United States really tries to isolate itself in a in a particular kind of way, and you know, we're seeing the effects of that or on, uh, you know, sort of uh, on steroids at the moment. And I think um, it's, it's. It's really to our detriment, you know, uh, the, the broader our, our worldview and the, and the more we realize our connection with people across borders and um, like our sense of not only responsibility but possibility increases and, and um, you know, we'd be unstoppable.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's it just like, because I know I was talking with uh, an organization once and they were talking about how they didn't know how to reach out to young people and I said, make an app. And they were like, Mm -hmm. oh, what do you mean? I said, you know, that there was a a parallel between countries that had not had that infrastructure who went right into the era of cell phones Mm -hmm. and young people here. And, you know, I said, mm. you know, learn from that. You could do that and reach them, you know, because they're like, well, we, the young people won't come to here. Well, you know, mm. you're not doing it their way. But if you look globally, there's a, a, yeah. a way. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. so have you been, have you found that after you've gone and you've learned some of this and you come back, mm-hmm. how have you been, have you been able to work with established organizations or or new and emerging organizations to sort of like tap into that? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we really try to um, build networks. So, Australia is really committed to network and the movement building. So, um, in the same way, like, there are a lot of amazing organizations just in the United States and a lot of amazing activism happening in the United States that a lot of folks are not tapped into. But I think that there's a, a much deeper willingness to know what okay. folks are working on now, and to, and to feel connected across, like, you know, there's a way that, like, New York and Chicago and Detroit could all feel really far away from each other, or they could feel like sister cities, right? And I think that that's mm-hmm. about the kind of com- community you keep, you know, and then in the same way, I think, like, there's a north-south divide or an east-west divide, but I think, like, there's a deep potential right now to really think past that and, and see that as, as artificial and not in our best interest. Um, similarly, like when I travel and in terms of the work that Australia supports, we really do fund um, nascent and emerging groups, like often will be the first grant to an up-and-coming organization, but we really stay with folks over time. And so uh, a lot of, we have an initiative called the Comms Labs, which is a media communications and te- technology initiative that really brings together you know, human rights defenders and technologists, but across. Uh, we, we do it regionally so we brought together in Latin America folks from Colombia Ecuador Peru Honduras in uh, Africa we in uh, in Kenya we uh, we brought together folks from Kenya and South Africa and again in Durban and so really people from rural environments and urban environments and from different parts of the LGBTQI spectrum right so lesbian separatists from 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 Honduras meeting with you know radical trans Buried from the city in, in, in Bogota and, and, and uh, you know, every other kind of amalgam of folks you can imagine. And, you know, folks were willing to come together um, because we asked them to trust us, right? It was about, like, building mm-hmm. trust. But also, like, once you bring people together, it's very rare that they want to stay apart, right? Like, that is, that's not, that's just true. Like, once you start organizing and working with somebody and, and celebrating with them and talking with them and listening and being in an environment where we actually hear each other. It's very rare that something that connections are not made, you know? And so, so that's something we are very purposeful about. And we see that really as a strategy, um, for our, our, all of our rights and all of our advancement towards equality, right? Like it's that we need to build as many networks, um, as possible and across, whether they're board, identity borders or geographic borders. Um, and so we really try to do that in, in all the regions where we're working, in, including the United States.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you know, and, and when you when I think of social justice, I mean, there's, there are, I often tell people like, I cannot think about my rights just as a lesbian without thinking about the rights of other African-Americans, the rights of mm-hmm. women, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. in my community, if it's social and economic injustice, when you're you know we talk about how you're trying to build new models of social justice are you trying are you part of trying to make it that that inclusiveness not not so much that that we recognize all these things that we are and that also that we have a place in making this change Mm -hmm. in this whole Mm -hmm. social just social economic justice spectrum yeah
2: absolutely i mean look LGBTQI folks cut across every community that there is, Mm -hmm. right? Across every economic strata, across every race and ethnicity, right? And we embody the spectrum of gender identities, right? That is a very – that's a responsibility as far as I'm concerned. And so really um, as an organization that is promoting social justice, like I think that um, to pretend like that isn't true is – is dangerous, right? And it and it and it it will only ensure that we we don't build uh, a strong social justice movement. So, so for us, um, when we talk about supporting LGBTQI activism in the United States, it must mean that we are supporting the leadership of people of color, of lesbians, of trans folks, of intersex people, right? Like that. That is,
1: mm-hmm.
2: we we do don't do any work that isn't also at the intersection of racial justice and economic justice. Right. Um, that is, that's, um, in my mind, if we're, if we're building a a power, a strong and powerful movement and really being representative of our community in all of its, uh, glory, right. Then it has to cut across those things. There's no way you can't talk about economic, uh, injustice in this country and not also have a conversation about race. It's, it's um, it's it would just be untrue, right? It's just it's it's, it's how capital was uh, uh, constructed, how the flow of capital was constructed in this country. And to deny that it's the denying history, right? You can't talk mm-hmm. about um, body autonomy and not also talk about um, cities and the way that people can get around and, or rural isolation. Like that's also like the way people labor is inextricably linked. To also um, the who and, and which bodies are allowed to be free or legislated against, right? Like so, that is, if you don't, if we don't make those connections, um, uh, well, if nothing else, we're not going to win. But if we don't make those mm-hmm, connections, mm-hmm. right, we're we're being untrue to the to the to our actual possibility, potential, and power.
1: You know. Um- You and I had a. uh, You were at the women's march. I was at the women's march in Ann Arbor, and -hmm. um, I I was reading your remarks, and I was reading some things about it. And I know that when I was tapped, and I know it was like, okay, well, we have to have one this one that. Oh, we need somebody from the (laughs) gay community, you know, and come up here. And Mm -hmm. when this lady was like, okay, and you're going to talk about this, and I said, no, I'm going to talk. You know, I'm going to talk about some things, but I have a lot you know like all of those things and I was reading your your remarks and how you said like one of the said we don't choose one neighbor over another in that moment cuz I know I had that moment where I was in Ann Arbor to look out and you saw all of these diverse people and mm-hmm. I felt as a queer person, a queer person of color mm-hmm. that I had to say, you know, this was this is a moment when I was supposed to be be bold. Be brave. Mm-hmm. Be not not do the safe thing. Okay, I'll talk about gay things and then thank you very much and sit down. That no, I, you know, this is a time to pull it together. And I yeah. read your remarks and it was like, Amen, sister. You know? I mean, <laughs> you know, what was that moment like? And did you did and do you often find that you have to sort of say, break. Expand the boundaries of that box that they want to sit in and say, you know, actually it's an invisible box. I'm everywhere
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it was an incredibly powerful moment, right like I you know, there were obviously like um, Hundreds of thousands of people uh, Like in the me- immediate vicinity. There were over a million people in Washington um, I, I spoke early on so there was still some attention span left <laughs> and um <laughs> And, um, and also, you know, it was televised everywhere. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome in the truest sense of the word, like speaking in front of all of those people. And the energy was incredible, right? It was really moving. Um, and then, you know, on social media alone, like I got over 800 Facebook messages, you know, it it was just crazy. But but to your point, right? Like, I really was like, if I'm going to stand here and speak, like what's the deepest truth I can tell? Because that, that's a very powerful mic to have, you know? Um, that's, you know, that's a, that's a very particular five minutes, and, and, and what are you going to do with it? And, and absolutely, um, uh, I felt like I needed to tell the strongest and broadest and most expansive truth possible, right? And it, and it really was about identifying what this moment is, and, and, and we're going to be asked, to stay in our lane, right? We're going to have mm-hmm. our lane defined for us much. And and we've seen this, right? Just in this, what are we, in the seventh week? Like, yeah. just in, in that small time, right? Everybody has been um, named and put in a box and in an envelope and legislated against, right? Like, it's this community and that community, that community. And all of our most powerful moments are when we've stepped up and said, no, actually, you're talking about all of us, right? And, and, we, and we won't stand for that. And so... Without question, you know, I really tried to be still and imagine what I was supposed to say in that moment. And and without question, it was about, you know, telling the truth and being, you know, and demanding we of myself in that moment and everybody in the audience, like, be everyone um, and all the things that you are right now and believe it. And you know, so I think that there's also that way that, like, I think belief and values are very, very important to this moment. as key components of our identities right so it's not just enough for me to be queer or a person of color or a woman or from new york right whatever outfit i want to wear it's not enough like that has to also mean something right and has to mean Mm -hmm. has to stand for something and i have to do the standing (laughs) right Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and, and so and so i think like for me that's That's what was really powerful about the Women's March was really to get to stand up and be true and have like this incredible, this incredibly progressive platform under the rubric of woman that was not um, singular by any stretch of the imagination.
1: You know, do you ever, what would you say to the young J-Bob, you know, who would, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, or, and, you know, and, or the one who's out there, the the future, who's going to fill your shoes and um, who's who's looking at it right now? And I've had young people go, you know, I'm under the gun right now. You know, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't stand out there and do that. You know, or or you've yeah. been around enough, you've got yours, you can do it. How do you encourage them to be bold, to be brave, yeah. to to find their voice?
0: Yeah,
1: I
2: mean, I think like to the young me, <laughs> and to also like uh to to younger people like you know I, I i was both very much like raised to get out of the neighborhood and to and 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 was a child of the neighborhood and so there was a way that like even though it was only a few subway stops away like there was a there was a whole world that was that felt very difficult to imagine arriving into and but but i wouldn't have even known to go there if you know I somehow didn't have my eyes open you know so and I see it even in um, in my daughter and and with her friends you know that there's a real you know what you are exposed to really does make the create your own world of possibility and it doesn't have to be you don't have to be rich like it doesn't have to be that you have wealth um, like but to have cultural wealth is really Mm. important it's really important it's it's more important uh, I think you know um, to really understand that you live in a big world and feel like you can access parts of the imagination of that world and to learn you know how many kids don't even know outside of the neighborhoods that they live in mm-hmm. you know they have no idea it's fifteen minutes away, it's ten minutes away, but they don't go ten blocks, you know and um you know, I just was kind of forced to. Like, I went to high school outside of my neighborhood. I had a proclivity in that way. But but also, like, it really, you know, that is, like, get out and see. You know, like, that is just really important. And, and it's so easy to be afraid to do that and and say yes. I, I mean, I don't know if the thing that I have to say to young me is probably the same thing I have to say to myself now right it's really like I'm a very extroverted introvert you know so it's really Uh easy for me to be like I'm not going you know what I mean like I'm not going out but I think like go say yes experience as much as you can but never say never say no I mean unless it's going to hurt you but don't don't say no out of fear like really really experience things and um and you really can do it. Like I think that there's a way that that for myself, I think I was afraid of failing, you know, because it was a, it felt like such a big risk, um, like going outside of what I knew, but also what I knew couldn't sustain me or the, the the life I wanted to live or how I wanted to be in the world. So I think like really take a risk, take risks all the time. And I think like I I still need to tell myself that that's my same pep talk, you know, mm-hmm. and um and to the future me. Um, and maybe I guess it's all the way. Like, is is have a good time? Like, just mm. enjoy yourself. You know, I think like we have to, we, we we have to live in with a deep sense of purpose and joy, and joy has to be part of that. Uh, because otherwise, like, really, what what's the point? Like, you know, like I want being a uh, uh, gay or queer to mean something joyful, right? Like, it should be. It should be uh-huh. about loving right like this is a rooted in love like like if we're gonna you know talk about like revolutionary love like it better have some joy yeah, behind chances it you know of, uh, um and and that's that's kind of that's where i'm at right now like i think that that's really really important and and i want to move from a like a steeped in passionate joy
1: you know as you as you've traveled and as you've lived life you know and mm-hmm. You know, as we start to see and you do it, uh, you you know, we are, we are mentioned earlier about how a new generation of social change philanthropists. Many people mm-hmm. think of a philanthropist as somebody who has to have. Oh well, they're going to write a check. They've got money to give. But I see. You know, like people have all these talents and all these these gifts, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. giving that back. I mean, mm-hmm. so how do you, I mean? Is that something that as, as you are looking at this new generation of social change philanthropists is that something that you're sort of trying to get to them that you know because all people go I don't have money I can't do that but no but really? you have this
2: yeah yeah no absolutely I mean first of all let's be real poor people tithe all the time right mm-hmm. so it's mm-hmm. it that's that's just the truth right so um mm-hmm. you know and and I respect that like if that's if that's important to you, like, I really respect that. And I don't think tithing should just be tied to heaven. You know what I mean? Like tithing should Uh also be about creating the world you want to be in right now, you know? And, um, and so, so that's one is that there's a, but it can't be giving in this way that doesn't feel generative. And I think that that's part of the idea. And that's something that I've learned while being in Australia that actually like make like what it means to actually make an investment really if it's whatever is meaningful to you. And if that's a dollar or it's $10,000, right? Like, but to actually say like part of my labor is is toward this, this world that a that's very, very, very meaningful. That said, To your point it is not just about money at all like it is about being in community and it is about being connected and i think that we all have resources and i think that there's so many ways to tap into those resources and have and it and that it shouldn't just it ever whether it is that you're giving money or that um you're giving time or talent or energy that it should be it should be um creating a holistic uh reciprocity right so that it's not just like, uh, which is not the same as purchasing something, but I think that there's a way that we should actually, it should matter that you become a stakeholder and you have a place at the table by virtue of giving your time, talent, or or money to, um, to causes that are meaningful to you, you know? And so that's why I think Estrella really tries, uh, you know, we talk about like a philanthropy of inclusion, meaning like it's, it's whatever you give it should be at a level that's meaningful to you um, but and that all gifts matter and that everyone has an equal stake and, and seat at the table, regardless of the size of uh, your investment. But at the same time, it should be about creating community. And I think, um, uh, you know, we're a global fund, but I talk about us working hyper-locally, right? So when, mm-hmm. we, like, all of the work that we support is happening at the hyper-local level, you know, and I think we have in this country – for the first time in quite some time, we have an opportunity to really, really, really build hyperlocally all the way up to the national level and globally, you know? Um, and I think that, that is, uh, that's profound, you know? So I'm excited, you know, I, I, look, I wish things were different uh, uh, politically and socially in this country, but they're not. And, and uh-huh. but, which gives us an opportunity to, to really come together and, and build our power in a way that i i haven't seen so many people ready to do um in 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 my in the memory of my lifetime Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and so that that excites me
1: yeah no i think i think it's like really it is a level of exciting and you know as i was when you were talking about it and as i read about it like back in the 90s like i was part of this organization called detroit summer and Mm -hmm. that was what we had said like You bring what you can and there were some people who came and what they said well you know they would bring a if we're doing a a garden they could bring water they could bring supplies there are people who just brought food to feed the volunteers and I always remember I often tell people that there was a young guy and you know like he came and he said I can paint and he painted the walls of, of this place where we met but then each year for his birthday, for his holidays, he told everyone, you know, give to this organization and help build Mm -hmm. it. And when you look at now, I look back at some of those kids who were 16 back in 1992 and Mm -hmm. who gave what they had, but now they're contributing to the community. I mean, and it's sort of like, it's like that investment that we're making. Yeah.
2: That's real. Right. And it's we're we're building and and all those people have a sense of community, you know, like and that's that's really meaningful. And and I think that a lot of the, you know, the oppressions that we're trying to fight are the things that make that make that isolate us and make us lonely. So I think like it's it's also automatically combating that. Right. The violence of of that isolation right? And I think that that's really, really, really important. And I do think it's absolutely about what, what do you have to give? And, um, and that's never, uh, it's never a mistake, you know, Um, it's very, it's really quite powerful. Um, And so I feel like, you know, I'm looking in this moment, I'm like, it is a radical act to invite people over for dinner, like, you know, like, what would it What does it mean for us all to come together and eat together and feed each other? You know, I think that that's really, really, really important. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, Bob, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with more of our conversation here on Collections by Michelle Brown.
0: This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services bringing balance to your mind, body, and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com. So we're back, Bob. And, you know, I have a question, you know, and,
1: and, what I often say to I often tell people I said that if you know, I always talk especially people who are really steep in Christianity, I said, Well, I personally believe that if Jesus came back he'd be a trans woman of color you know. <laughs> and you know, <laughs> I mean I mean it'd be it'd be it would be that radical and we get it. but often in doing that it when I say that it's because that sometimes I feel that because we have experienced discrimination, hatred denying of just whom we are that now we are able especially in this time you know after you know so many of our our people who are in shock about i can't believe he got elected that we're able to sort of say you know well this is how we rebuild this is how where we go from here do you find that now sometimes that when you're in that group of progressives whose bubble have been popped you know, That's some up with like you're going to so say, okay, all right, take a breath. And do you find yourself in that role where it's like, you know, you are the Obi-Wan? You know, you've you <laughs> <get her. laughs> taken up to the next level.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, you know, I, 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 I am very fortunate and I get invited and or I have entry into so many different communities and i know it's rare to sit in so many different uh rooms right and so uh, but what that means sometimes is that i am in fact you know um sometimes i have it also means i have access to things to to ideas and 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 lived experience that other folks don't have so certainly in this moment where there's sort of where there is this like um in certain progressive circles where it it is this sort of shocking moment. Um, I do, I do think that there's a way and look, the evidence is just so, so stacked and so obvious. I do think that there's a way to be able to turn around and look and be like, you know, that the fear that you're having in this moment or the sense of uh, how incorrect this was, right? Like, I think that there's a way that people feel betrayed, right? By the system. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think it's only the people who didn't already, who ever thought that the system was working in their favor, who could even feel betrayed, right? Mm-hmm. And, so, mm-hmm. and so I think that that's, and that's the divide. So so um, are poor people surprised? Are people of color surprised, right? Are people who, um, uh, uh, you know, are trans folks who, don't, who didn't have access to um, viable and safe health care in the first place surprised, right? Like all of these things, like I think that there's, a way that, that, um, you know, sort of the, the mark of surprise, um, which doesn't mean that, that, which is different than the mark of people who are okay with this situation, right? Because it's not like that means that communities of color are okay with how things are, right? Like, that's Mm -hmm. different. Um, but I do think that often it's like this gentle or not so gentle, um, examination of like, let's talk about that, the shock that you're feeling this morning moment as a as a an entryway to some compassion and understanding of where you weren't 10 moments ago right and i think that and and who but who was already there and i think that that is uh, you know that's an opportunity and i do think um more often than not in 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 particular rooms that's a role that i'm um uh, that i play but i i play it you know willingly and with humility right and it's because uh-huh. that i ha- also have the luxury of having access and being a part of so many different communities. And, and that's not necessarily true for everyone.
1: Do you, know, you know, I was, um, and, uh, I, there's that level that, I guess for lack of a better word, I guess it's empathy. Because I, I was at something the other day and there was a lovely uh, Latina woman who came and you know, sort of outed herself as someone who had voted for Trump because on the issue of abortion she said she said now she knows she said she knows she should have been more than just one issue but that was you know she's just and it was like there were people you know who just like jumped all over her Mm. and it was like and it was like I'm like whoa 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 whoa, hold on a minute you know and to be able to say to her you know well I'm pro-choice and I'm probably opposite of everything but you know there's a kid in the room, I said, but you and I can both agree that we're concerned about that child's future, the world is gonna go up. And she said, she said, yes, yes, that's why I'm here. And it's sort of like, as you go around and you find people, I mean, and you know, and, and many other people who were there were, were LGBT, I mean, who are like, well, you know, he's against us. How do you find that space to say to them, you know, but in some, some spaces, this is an opportunity
2: you
1: yeah. know to, to change
2: to move a heart and
1: mind yeah 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 i mean i think i think you know you have to have a practice
2: <laughs> right like mm-hmm. i think you have to have a willingness and a practice to say you know um like if i'm really not just going to be for my own <laughs> then what am i going to draw a line like what's the line that i'm going to draw for who i'm not for you know and um and i think um you know, sometimes, look, someday it's just not the day, right? You don't have it to give. You're not here to educate anybody. You know, that's just real. But I think in terms of, like, a long-term strategy, like, if we're going to have conversations about community and if we're actually going to build the world we want to live in, it also means, like, um, as in any relationship, right, whether it's with, like, your um, your lover or or um, the whole the you know your neighborhood right like like there's there's a moment where we need to really hear where somebody actually is and not just project onto them where we assume they are right and it, it requires compassion um, and it requires a willingness um, to to move forward and and really assess what it will take to move forward and with whom you know so to so look would I have said, go get that woman, right? There's a woman out there who voted for Trump, right? I, I wouldn't say go get her, but she came, right? So so then can you receive her because she's actually standing in front of you, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's that's me- deeply meaningful, right? But it also means like you have to get over the noise of your own fury in that moment to be able to, to even hear her or, or see her.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, you know, um, that's a cynic way. <laughs> You've know, you done a lot of work as a filmmaker, and one of the things that they said uh, when I was reading about you, they said that you use the medium to elevate the lived experiences of LGBTI communities. Do you get a chance? I mean, I know that you've done film in the past. Do you have an opportunity to do that? Or sometimes as you're going through and looking at it, do you use that filmmaker's lens and sort of say, like, Mm -hmm. this is a story maybe that you'll get back to? Or that needs yeah. to be told. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can answer that
2: question in, in a couple of different ways. Um, I mean, one very, very literally. It's funny that we're having that you asked me about filmmaking because today I was having a conversation about um, creating room in my schedule to be thoughtful about being creative and 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 really working um, that into my life very proactively. But that said. Um, It certainly never left me, so obviously like at Astraea, media and communications is a core pillar of our work, and so I certainly bring those skills into designing that um, the programmatic work and the strategic ways that we do that work, the stories that we do tell. You know, um, this is Astraea's 40th anniversary, so what does it mean to sit at 40 years of uh, Grant making, movement building, right? Uh, um, and so there's so many stories to tell, and um, and so we're we're actually um, we're going to launch a new website and start telling those stories. So there's actual um, I have shot stuff. Other people have shot stuff. I've helped direct things um, um, of activists and donors and other people who've been involved with Australia over the course of forty years or in the movement around the world. Um, but also I think that the way I lead the organization um, strategically I think also comes from like looking at what is what are the strongest uh, narrative truths of Australia What story does does our work tell? how do we how do we um, tell that story in a nuanced and a, um, important way? And, and I think even our the strategic vision and, and the ways that we've organized uh, ourselves organizationally come from, um, a storytelling ethos if you will that like here's our body of work what does it say about us what can we draw from this what are the themes that rise and um, how did how do they connect the greatest dots um, for us institutionally and I think that's the same way that I would that, that that's good storytelling whether it's about uh-huh. Australia or uh, you know some plot twist but I think that 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 um, certainly the way that I that I can um, you know look at a constellation of activity and pull out um, a narrative thread or a strategic line or a line of engagement or even possibility of like not just what's in front of me but like where could that story lead I think it's the same part of it's the same creative part of me it's it's what I bring to the work regardless of what my title is now
1: I have spoke with Andrea Jenkins. Um, a couple of weeks ago, and Andrea was i mean like she's a visual artist she's a poet she's a trans activist, but she had originally lived in Chicago, then she moved to Minneapolis, and now she's going around doing oral history and so one of the things that I was talking to her about was like the original work that she had done, and now the visual art the art that she's trying to put together how was it affected and she was saying that um from where she was when she started out and the safe space, like in Chicago, where you could walk out and, and see some another person of color. There was a mm-hmm. trans community, there was a gay community, To moving to Minneapolis, and then going around and seeing this, how she had even taken some of the works that she had done in the past and revisited mm-hmm. them, and it changed how she did it. If you were mm-hmm. to, how do you think, like, from a film that maybe you made before, Australia to what mm-hmm. you're looking at now, how has... Your travels and your your work changed how you look at things. How would you tell the story differently? Mm, that's
2: a great question. I think that um, I think that I would probably bring a different level of calm to the work and really trust that the stories tell themselves. Um, like I think that that one of the gifts of this job has really it really requires me to see. Um, beauty in so many places, and really listen. And to you know, if I'm thinking, you know, I I think of myself as a strategist, but that's really my, my role. Um, and and also to connect lines of power, right? So Australia's job, real job, is about moving money, right? That's we're a philanthropic mm-hmm. organization. So what does that mean? That means we move money from where it purposefully is to where it purposefully is not right. Like that's our job. That's what it means to be an activist funder. And so I think in the same way from a film perspective, I think I would really follow the flow of, of, uh, of a story, the arc of a story in a, in a, maybe, in a, hopefully maybe like a little bit more elegantly now, I think. And, um, and, but with, with enough air to let people um, like come to know the characters, um, uh on their own and on their own terms, you know, so I think that there's a way that I I just appreciate. Um, you know, I talk to so many people in so many different languages and so many different contexts and cultural contexts that there's a way that like you know, people's humanity, you know just shows um, uh, so, because if it didn't, like I would never know where I was. And so I think that in terms of like creating artwork, um, that I would want to create that kind of air so that you could, know who the person was um and know who you are in relation to them regardless of the venue or even the rest of the work that situates around that character
1: do you think you know now we're seeing not enough but you're seeing more films that are coming out i know that um and you have even some queer filmmakers who are getting some type of more notoriety. I mean, look at what what just happened, you know, at the the Oscars. Um, Do you, I mean, so do you see that that, that's like, as you start to expand and you do that, is that there's like not only an audience, but there's really a need to, to fill in more of the gaps, particularly about the LGBTQI community.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, like, everyone's stories deserve to be told, you know, Um, and I do think, like, I think it's, like, we're in this really funny moment, because I would say, like, certainly, like, let's pretend this election didn't happen, you know, six months ago, like, it felt like we were in, like, a black artistic renaissance, right, like, the Mm -hmm. things that were happening, like, on high art, and, and pop art, and commercial art, right, like, just as just one example, right? Um, um, and so I think that, that that's actually still true. Like, I would argue that, that part of the what we're seeing right now is a backlash to, like, the beauty of our resistance and including our artistic production. And so I think that... Um, but that doesn't make the fact that we're producing work any less true. It just makes the fact that we're producing work that much more necessary, you know? And so I do think, though, that what happens you know, when there's a little bit of representation, but there's not it's still not the dominant narrative, people think like they already know that story, right? So, like, mm-hmm. you're not going to, you know, if it's like, well, there's not going to be a gay black male film next year, right? Cause exactly. One, right? Which makes no damn sense, because because how many uh, straight white love stories do you see in one year, you know? And, and that's considered a genre, whereas this is a, a single story that has already been told, right? So, so just by virtue of that ridiculous logic, we need more stories, right? Um, because we know, you know, we'd never st- tell the same story twice. Um, or even if we did, like, if that's what we want, <laughs> right? we, we should just do that. <laughs> But, but also I do think, I do think, um, I think it's important, um, uh, I would love to see more stories that, um, don't just mimic, uh, the status quo, you know, I don't, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in, um, you know, romantic comedies that just is exact, that could just as well be straight, but they happen to be good characters. Like I'd actually like it to mean something. Like I, I, think queer love is beautiful and unique yes, yes. and pushes boundaries. And I want to see that on the screen. And I wanna, I want to see our relationship struggles on the screen. And I want us to, um, I want to see stories and hear stories that struggle around, um, you know, what it means for three people to raise a child. I want to know mm. what it's like to have, um, to talk about, um, to be in deep partnership and have. Um, uh, uh, true, deep, multiple loverships. You know, like I, I think that that's real. It's not the only way to be, but I think it's it, it's a vi- very viable and true way to be. And I, I would like us to explore all of those things and not be embarrassed or ashamed or feel like it can't get funded or it doesn't have a place on the screen. Like I, I want to have all of it. And I think that that you know we need stories and books and movies and films and you know. Instagram videos and what you know mm-hmm. all of it I I want 35 uh snapshots about non-monogamy you know what I mean like I want it mm-hmm. all like, because because those are the lives we're actually living and I think um um our art should should reflect our, our lives
1: yeah and to have that like you said and it be our art and reflect our lives and not be for entertainment value for straight people you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. like I mean that's what I what you want to see you want to, you know and when I, I hear great stories and it's like, you know, you're not going to see this on TV, but that's real. That's real about our lives. But it's also why it's so important that, you know, that as we live our lives, we're out there and people don't go like, oh, I, oh you live like that? I was talking to a woman and she was like, she was sitting somewhere and she was listening to some people talk and they were talking about, oh, well, you know, uh, how gay people don't know how to raise a child and everything like, and this is like, you know, she and uh, finally she turned around and she said, You know, I didn't realize that you hated me and you thought that low of me and they were like, What do you mean? She said, My mothers raised me to be the woman that I am today And you know yeah. she said well you know and it's like And the story of it is just like powerful but it was like they wanted to hear they had in their mind already what it was like not what our, our true lives are like yeah, so I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like I would like to see that too. Yeah, it's just like this is just it. It's not that big a deal. So yeah, I have a yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you know, we live like you. Our lives might be different, but you know what? We don't know what else happening in everybody's house, but there's a lot of life that we live. You know, and let's just show it. You know. Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So, so you're a native New Yorker. Mm hmm. <laughs> And I I thought, you know, people who haven't been to New York, I mean, been to New York, been to New York, don't realize that New York is also a lot of small communities. Besides being New York, you know, New York, big city of dreams, you know. Um, Yeah. What, and and do you think that 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 part, you know how you said that you are extrovert, but you also introvert, is that... Because I like, sort of like being from New York, you know, like, you're part of a, of a community, but you're part
2: of the big, big, New York. That's, that's really awesome. I never thought about it that way. I
1: mean, you know, I think that
2: that's real, right? Like, I think that um, New York can be a really, really, really small town. Um, and there's the volume is such that, you know, you can also always remake yourself um, in, in ways that I love. I really, um, I love New York. Um, it's such a huge part of my identity and, um, you know, I think it's, it's been hard to watch, um, like the waves of gentrification that are happening now, um, really, um, undermine a lot of the things that I, the character and the uniqueness of, of the city, um, you know, as more, you know, when I grew up, there were no chain stores here, you know, um, Mm -hmm. and, and so, and, you know, you could get everything you needed, um. Functionally in your neighborhood, and that isn't true anymore, right? There are neighborhoods that don't have, um, you know, the grocery stores that don't have, you know, certain things. Um, um, and also, neighborhoods have popped up in, in all these other places. But at the same time, you know, I'm still a sucker. I still love New York. And um, I think that, uh, you know, I love, you know, I grew up in um, the second most diverse neighborhood in the world. Um, I grew up in Jackson Heights and then split my time between Jackson Heights and the East village growing up. And, um, and I, and I went to high school in the Bronx. So I really was a kid like who occupied the whole city and, and that I grew up on the subway and in all of these different neighborhoods and really taking advantage of, uh, I kind of ate my way through the city (laughs) as a kid, but also all the different Mm -hmm. cultural, cultural opportunities here. And so I think for me, um. You know, I said earlier on, like, I really believe in the congregation, and I think for me, like, that, that all of the people who make up the city, for me, that's that's um, really where my vitality comes from, and, and how I I grew up understanding myself as part of this huge mass. You know, somehow I just had a sense that, like, I was part of these 8 million or 10 million people, right, that I... That, And i had a role to play and that there was room here to become great and that and i think that because there was that whole spectrum of 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 everything of socioeconomics of intellectual work of artistic work like that the that i lived in the same city where people came to become whoever they were wanted to be you know i think there's that way that i was like it made me have this and also, I grew up in such a deep immigrant community, so there's always this mm-hmm. sense of becoming, right? Like, we came here to, to better our lives. We're going to become in this way. There's, like, a deep sense of becoming inside of immigrant communities. And so I think also that, um, you know, was all contributed to this idea that, that um, I really had a sense of, like, you're supposed to grow up and become. And I, and I think that that was, like, very much fueled... Um uh, by my sense of of New York City in a, in a deep, deep, deep way, it's probably one of the greatest influences on my life. Um, and so and so I think that it's true. I think that there's a way that I am like just extrovert because I do I do, you know, I can be loud, but also like I, I can be expansive and then like I definitely need to go home.
1: <laughs> you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, You know how you said, um, I was reading how you say how you, your house was where. You have the house with the food and music and ritual do you think that a lot of that is like a, a, a throwback to how you you came up
2: yeah you know i'll tell you what i um i remember um uh i mean yes absolutely like my earliest um like pleasurable memories were like um uh, like so much food and so many generations of people, and the 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 door. I grew up in an apartment building, and like the doors open and people like coming across apartments and stuff. So I did absolutely grow up that way. At the same time, like I remember, like when people started to talk about getting married, um, like gay people getting married and having babies and all this stuff, and I, and I started to all all these people who I was friends with, I started to realize like this has been like a dream for them. And I was like, wow, like, you know, and I didn't have that dream, you know, and it's not that I'm opposed to those things at all. It's just that that wasn't my dream of growing up and I'm going to have babies and a spouse and all those things like that. That's not what made it was for me. You know, that's not what adulthood Mm -hmm. was for me. But I was like, did I even was there something I did dream of, you know, Um, if Uh it wasn't that? And, And what I realized was was exactly that like I wanted to have like this really kind of sit at the cutting edge of culture and community and have um um you know smart conversations and brilliant food and laughter and music and dance like that's what I wanted you know Uh and um you know and my grandmother was a dancer and my grandfather was a musician and he would sing and she would dance and would play so i think like for me that that's really what um being like grown and successful was and Mm -hmm. and so i and i think and i don't even know that i i didn't remember that i or even ever consciously know that i thought that until i made myself kind of look at it and i was like oh that's actually what i've always wanted and um so i guess it's a it is a core value for me um and uh you know and and really super important like i'd never look into it if i look at i'm looking at an to move or something it's always about like well how many people can fit in here
1: ah oh, my sister i found you <laughs> you know because people yeah. often will say to me people you know because it's like and as as much as i was involved you know, like in, in in lobbying and advocating for marriage division, well, did you dream of it? I said, well, actually, no. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I was like, uh-huh. you know, one sitting around and the, and the great meals and music and, you know, and laughing and friendship. I said, but no, there was no fucking <laughs> down the aisle in that picture. I said, you know, the rest of it is all good, you know, yeah. but, but the stuff yeah. of, of that expansive community of sharing ideals and being with people and learning and acceptance, you know, so. I totally get you. I, I am totally with you with you right now, you know, so it's like it just sort of cracks me up. It really doesn't say <laughs> right So um, we're gonna take another quick break and then we're going to I've got a few last things and then we'll to send you on your way. So we'll be okay. right back
0: with
1: my conversation with Bob right here on collections by Michelle Brown.
0: Collections by Michelle Brown airs every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure and mark your calendar so you never miss an episode. Join the collection at www.collectionsbymichellebrown.com.
1: Well, we're back. You know, obviously, I have a whole lot of fun talking to people. You know, I mean, and it's sort of like I have found more people who it's like, oh, you know, the universe is our mother, and we are all related, you know, and <laughs> and it's, it's really, it's just like so, so great, and I enjoy watching you, I, you know, and having been in spaces, uh, you know, Columbia, I used to go to, I mean, I haven't been to Columbia, the country, in a, in a few years, but there was something about that community and doing that, when I saw that you were there, and I see the different places you go, and I talk to people who are from other countries, and I'm just like... So glad that you are there and involved in that conversation, because our lives are global, and it is a global conversation. So, what is on the agenda for you for Australia in the near future?
2: It's a really exciting time for for both me and for Australia. So this is Australia's 40th anniversary, which is a really big deal um, to be. Um, standing and strong and fighting for our communities. Forty years uh, after our inception, uh, we began around a kitchen table, as many nice. things did in 1977. Oh. So so I feel really proud uh, to get to be here at this time. Um, on the heels of the Women's March and really looking at the needs that our communities are facing in this current moment, um, Australia launched A fund called the Uprising of Love Fund, and that's really um, to try to get people to support the work happening in the United States in LGBTQI communities, uh, specifically communities of color and immigrant communities, but across the country, um, really trying to support that work and getting a groundswell of support. Um, And again, no donation is too small or too large, um, but the Uprising of Love Fund is something that uh, we're really excited about. And as people, so many people are saying, what should I do now? What can I do now? How can I get involved? And I would really, 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 really urge folks, um, again, no matter the size of the gift, um, it can be $10 a month, you know, um, would make such a huge difference to us. Um, and all of that money um, is put to such good use. So so the Uprising of Love Fund is something we just launched and, and will it will be running Um uh, for the duration. And um, mm-hmm. then we also have our Fueling the Frontlines uh, Awards. As you said, you came to our event in Chicago every year. We're in a different city last year we were in Washington, D.C., and this year we're going to be in Los Angeles, and I'm really excited Ooh. about that. Mm-hmm. So that's May, it's May 25th in Los Angeles at the Ace Museum, which is a magnificent space, and we're going to do really cool things with it. It's a former... Um, uh, uh, car dealership so it's like this crazy oh. multi-level concrete structure yeah so um, people should absolutely uh, come to that event in Los Angeles or you can buy a ticket um, for somebody who otherwise wouldn't um, be able to uh, attend mm-hmm. and then we'll be having our 40th anniversary gala in New York City in the fall, uh, likely in the beginning of November. So, um, basically everybody should go to the Australia website, um, and so mm-hmm. uh, find links to everything. But um, but those are the the big uh, three big things that are happening um, on our radar, and I'm really excited about them uh, all. And I you know and again they kind of are about like doing the urgent work, supporting the most important work in this moment, and also really celebrating who we are um, and standing in in pretty radical joy and love. Hmm.
1: Well, I'd like to ask you, um, how do you feel that the intersections that have influenced your life have impacted the directions you've taken, and how are they going to impact what you do in your future work? I mean,
2: if you had told me, you know, six years ago that I was going to be running the Estrella Foundation, I would have laughed at you and just said, you know, I don't I actually don't even know what you're talking about. I'm a filmmaker, right? Um, Mm. But once I once I came here, it was so obvious that all roads had led to here that really that um, it was really it was kind of stunning. I don't know if that I'd ever been doing something that was so clearly I was supposed to be doing um, before so um, and part of that was really about about being a bridge across generations across communities, and having like a very rich political um consciousness and and life and commitment so I would say um, and so all of those things are 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 very um firmly about being present inside of all of my own intersections um mm-hmm. and values. I think whatever comes next um would certainly. Um, you know, now, you know, if, if we're adding Estrella onto the mix, like I, it has to be driven by a deep sense of purpose. It's, I have to be driven by a deep sense of creativity and, and strategic engagement. You know, I, I am forced to bring my whole self to this table every day and like kind of use all of my strengths in a way that, you know, uh. I've never had a job that required that in, in such totality. Um, and so, uh, whatever I do, wherever this leads me, um, I think it, you know, I need to be generative and, and, um, creative and really offering something of myself on a daily basis and, and also being fed, you know? Um, so I don't, I don't know what the next thing would be or when that would be, but, but certainly it has to come with that kind of um fierceness you know um and mm-hmm. and, and and excitement and purpose and and meaning
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well I me tell you um i don't know about about la although my, i have a brother in la but i also okay. have family in the bronx you know so and usually in october november i am in new york so i mm. am making a note now for that 40th yes. anniversary gift, you know <laughs> I, I am going I'm going to make a note for that, Bob. I so appreciate you being on the show with me tonight um stay in your multi lane super highway and across your airwaves, I will be sending you many woos yes <laughs> uh, many woos and thank you for all you do and for sharing so much of yourself with me tonight.
2: Thank you. I really, really, really appreciate it, and, and you've created such a beautiful space, and so thank you for welcoming me into it. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, I will see you soon, if sooner, if, but definitely in November. So okay, beautiful. Thank I look forward to it. Take good care. Okay. All right. Bye. So uh, I want to thank you for listening to Collections by Michelle Brown tonight. You can listen to Collections by Michelle Brown every Thursday at 7 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitchers, and SoundCloud. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines. They're standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality as they create change. That's every Thursday right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Good night.